Amen. So a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to travel to Manhattan for a family wedding. And while we were there, we wanted to make sure we set aside some time to go to what is now called Freedom Plaza. This, of course, is where the Twin Towers were and where now one Freedom Tower stands towering over Manhattan. I pulled up a picture for those of you who haven't been there or seen it. Truly is remarkable. A beautiful building, 103 stories over all of Manhattan, the tallest building in the United States, in our hemisphere, the tallest building. Of course, only because they put that stick on top to be higher than the Willis Tower. I mean, come on. That should not count, but it does for some reason. But it's truly an unbelievable structure. And when you go there and you stand in front of it, you can't help but be impressed and just say, wow, this is incredible. But you know what? In order to have an unbelievable structure like this, 103 stories tall, as impressive as it is, the most important thing about this building is what you can't see. What you can't see. The most important thing about this building is what's underground, not what's above the ground. And of course, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's the foundation. The most important thing about one Freedom Tower is that there's a 183-foot deep foundation with 150,000 cubic yards of super concrete rated to 14,000 pounds per square inch. That's enough concrete, by the way, to cover 100 acres with one foot thick slab of concrete. That's massive. It's incredible. It's an amazing building with an even more unbelievable foundation. Because if you want this building to last, if you want this building to be as safe as it needs to be to last through generation and generation, it's got to start with the foundation. Right? Now the thing is, the same is true of us. The same is true of each and every one of our relationships. The same is true with our marriages. If you want your marriage to last, you have to start with the foundation. In the first part of the book of Matthew, there is the Sermon on the Mount, which is the most amazing sermon ever given. Jesus just walks through some incredible teaching. He talks about the Beatitudes, salt and light, the law, murder, adultery, oaths, revenge, loving your enemy, generosity, caring for those in need, prayer, fasting, eternity, anxiety, worry, being judgmental, salvation, and he talks about marriage. And at the end of this greatest sermon ever told, this is what he says. And you can turn there with me in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, or it'll be up on the screens here for you as well. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose up, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." Church, what if? What 
if we were able to build our relationships and our marriages on a firm foundation that no matter what we faced in life, it would hold strong? What if, church, we were to take these simple teachings that Jesus shares with us about marriage and actually put it into practice? Church, imagine what it would be like if every single marriage in your life, your parents, every marriage around you was thriving and strong and flourishing to the full extent of what God has meant for it to be. Imagine if every marriage in our church was thriving and flourishing as God meant for it to be. Imagine the impact of that. Wouldn't that be amazing? You can respond. Yes, that would be incredible. It would be incredible to live in a place where that could be our reality. Now, I'm guessing if you're married here today or if you're about to get married, I probably have your attention, especially uh, if you're Kyle and Joy, because Kyle Reschke right here and Joy, they got engaged yesterday. Isn't that awesome, Pastor Kyle? We're so excited for you guys. My job today is to scare you, okay? Um, but we're so excited for you guys, and we probably definitely have your attention if you're not daydreaming about yesterday. But what about for those of you who aren't married? Maybe you're too young to get married, or maybe you just simply don't plan on getting married at all. Why should you listen to what we're going to talk about today? Well, let me give you three reasons. Three incredibly important reasons, and I'll explain them here in a second. The first one is for your friends and your family. The second one is for your future. And the third one, most importantly, is for your faith. So first, your friends and your family. If you're here today and you're not married or not planning to get married, it's still incredibly important for you to understand a biblical vision for marriage so that you can support and encourage your friends and your family who are married. Secondly, for your future. If you're here today and you're just too young or you're not ready to get married or you're desiring to be married and you haven't yet taken that step, it's also important for you to have a clear understanding of what it is that you're wanting to step into so that you can start from day one the right way. And then thirdly, for your faith. For those of you here who are Jesus followers, you know that God gave us the Bible so that we could know more about him and we could have a better understanding of our world, right? But God also gave us other things in this world to show us what he is like. For example, the book of Romans talks about the created world in all of its huge grandeur and wonder. And it says one of the purposes for this creation in its beauty and in its wonder is to point back to the creator so that you could see his beauty and his wonder through creation. Well, God didn't just give us creation. He gave us other things as well. And one of the things he gave us to show us what his love is like is marriage. It's marriage. Let me read you a passage. I think you'll see this theme throughout a lot of scripture, but this one I think says it just very clearly. It's in Ephesians 5, verse 25. It says this. Husbands, love your wives. Now listen for the comparison. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You see, not only are we as husbands and wives to love by the example set for us in Jesus, but our marriages are in and of themselves supposed to be a signpost pointing back to that very love we're embodying. Isn't that cool? 
It really elevates what marriage is. It raises the bar for what's at stake in your marriage relationship. That it's pointing back or meant to point back to the way that God loves us. Marriage is supposed to be a living and breathing parable showing us what God's love is like. So no matter where you are at today, no matter what stage of life you're in, young, old, married, single, divorced, or brokenhearted, would you listen today to what the scriptures have to say about marriage? Not just what it has to say about marriage, but also what it has to say about God and what his love is like for us as we learn what our love is supposed to be like for one another. Because as great as marriage is supposed to be, God's love for us is infinitely greater. So let's get down to it. What is the foundation? What is the foundation of a lasting marriage? In a word, the foundation of a lasting marriage is this. It's covenant. Covenant is the foundation of a lasting marriage. Now, I know for some of you, the record kind of scratched there for a second. You're like, wait, what? Covenant? What in the world does that mean, right? You have no idea what I'm talking about. For others of you, you hear the word covenant, you're like, okay, I know what that means, but how is that so important? How is that really foundational to what marriage is about? And how that simple word or concept have such a profound impact on my marriage? Well, let's unpack it a little bit. What is covenant? What does it mean? Well, covenant is just a biblical word that's used to describe a binding promise, an unconditional unbreakable commitment covenant that's what covenant is an unconditional covenant commitment that is used to describe marriage all throughout scripture now to see that let's look back to the creation of marriage genesis 2 the very first adam and eve genesis 2 verse 24 it says this it says for this reason a man and a woman will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh now again, another weird word, cleave. Sounds like cleaver. You would think it means to cut or separate, but it actually doesn't. To cleave means to be united to, to be glued to. And in other places in Scripture where this root word is used, it means to unite somebody through a binding promise or an oath, a covenant. And marriage is the most deep and most covenantal relationship that we have in this world because marriage is a covenant. It's a promise. It's a binding, unconditional oath that's made to your spouse and that's made to God. So how do we know this? One of the prophets, Malachi, in chapter 2, he talks to us about marriage and he tells us that God is actually witnessing the covenant that we make to each other in our marriage. He's witnessing and God is the one who is binding us together in marriage. He is the one who is making the two one flesh. And it tells us that God deeply desires our loyalty to one another in our marriage covenant. And it tells us that when we break that covenant, we're not only breaking it with our spouse, but we're also breaking that covenant with God. 
And that's why in a traditional wedding, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, there's both the I wills and the I do's, right? The first part of a wedding, usually they're couples facing forward, and they'll say something, will you do all in your power to uphold your marriage covenant? And they respond with something like, I will with God's help. They're not facing each other. They're facing me. They're making a covenant before God to say, I will do this with your help, God. And then later in the service, there's the I do's, right? They turn and they face each other. And they either say, I do, or they say, I, Ted, take you, Melissa, to be my wife, right? We're making a promise before God and a promise to each other. So what does this mean? It means that this binding covenant to God and to each other is the foundation to our lasting marriage. Now, this covenant relationship is totally different than any other kind of relationship that we have. Let me explain. In a covenant relationship, the good of the relationship takes precedence over your own needs. It takes precedence over your own needs. Whereas in a consumer relationship, Hannibal talked a little bit about this last week for those of you who are here, you only stay connected to that person as long as they're meeting your particular needs at a cost that is acceptable to you. In other words, a consumer relationship will end or fade out when the relationship seems to require more love from you than it gives to you, or more energy and effort from you than it gives to you, you're out. While a covenant relationship is in it for the long haul, a covenant relationship says, I am in this no matter what. There are no contingencies here. Now, today, more and more people, unfortunately, are approaching all of their relationships with this kind of consumer mindset, reducing their relationships to a sort of economic or emotional exchange. It's a shallow commitment that will only stick around as long as the relationship pays. Now, on top of that, on top of this consumer approach to relationships, our culture today also says that the ultimate aim of life is this uninhibited freedom to choose whatever brings you as an individual happiness. Uninhibited freedom to bring about your individual happiness, however you describe it. Now, those are good things, right? Freedom and individual happiness. We tend to kind of like those things. But when those things become the most important things, when those become the ultimate things in your life, this sort of overly individualistic perspective erodes and destroys the things in your life that are bigger than an individual, like marriage. So as a result, a covenant commitment, not just the word covenant, but the whole concept of what a covenant is, this unconditional promise, this binding oath, is becoming more and more foreign in our culture. But I believe we have to reclaim it. We have to reclaim covenant in order to really understand and to have marriages that thrive and last. Maybe one way for you that would be helpful to think of it is this way. This is an example we use in our re-engaged ministry for those of you who have been a part of that, our marriage ministry here at the church. It's sort of like this. Making a covenant promise is sort of like this. It's like sitting in a room with your spouse surrounded by all these doors that are open. And what all these open doors are, are doors that you could walk through rather than choosing to unconditionally commit 
to your marriage and to your spouse. So one of the doors you could walk through, for example, is like divorce. You could walk through the door of separation. You could walk through the door of escape by staying busy with work, by staying busy with friends or your activities. Or you could walk through the door of chasing after another person or just fantasizing about another person. Or you could walk through the door of just giving up and just kind of living together as undivorced roommates. Now, in order to build your marriage on the foundation of covenant, what we need to do is we need to stand up together, both husband and wife, and close every single one of those doors. And then we need to lock every single one of those doors and throw away the keys. A marriage covenant commitment is a covenant, it's a commitment that gives up all other alternatives. It says, I love you so much that I'm going to give up all my alternatives for you. It's telling your spouse that you won't leave, that you will not become apathetic, you will not become distracted, you will not become preoccupied, and you're going to work through all of your, cha- your challenges no matter what. No matter what. So let me ask you, if you're in a relationship that's based on this kind of unbreakable, unconditional covenant, do you think you're going to feel insecure or secure? Go ahead and respond. Secure, of course, right? That kind of commitment creates a security in a relationship that honestly... I think unless you have that kind of security in a relationship, it's impossible to be fully loved. And it's impossible to love somebody else fully if you don't have that kind of security. Because think about it. If you're in a relationship that's insecure, you're more focused on promotion, right, and marketing of yourself. Putting the most polished, put-together version of yourself on the market for that person to see. And is that really you? Can that other person really love you for who you are if that's all they see? No. They can't. It's not reality. So you need this kind of security in a relationship in order to be fully loved and in order to fully love somebody else. Marriage that's built on the foundation of unconditional covenant lasts because it gives us the security and the stability we need to open our hearts to open our lives, to be vulnerable, to live in truth without the fear that our partner will just simply walk away. Now I know that saying covenant is the foundation of a lasting marriage probably doesn't sound very sexy. But it's true. Covenant is the foundation of a loving marriage, a passionate marriage, a thriving marriage, a marriage that lasts. Now, a bad foundation is usually pretty easy to spot. When the storm rolls through and the house crumbles, nobody's wondering if the foundation was good. They know it wasn't, right? Right? So I'm going to give you a little bit of a test. I'm going to show you some houses, and you tell me if the foundation is good or bad. Are you ready? Let's pull up the first one. Good or bad foundation? Bad. Excellent job. You guys are so good at this. Let's pull up the next one. Good or bad foundation? Right? It's so easy to see the foundation when the house is crashed. 
But how about this one? Good or bad foundation? Are you sure? Do you really know? It, it really looks fine on the outside, but it's hard to tell just by looking at this one. You have to take a closer look. And you might need some help identifying some of the warning signs of whether or not this foundation is firm or if this foundation is faulty. I am a complete home repair illiterate, okay? True confessions. And so when we have our home inspections, I am completely out of my league, okay? I have no idea what this person is talking about, and I desperately need his help to show me if something is wrong with this house that I should know about, right? Because if I didn't have his help to identify some of those warning signs, I could really be in a lot of trouble. And when it comes to marriage, here's what we know. We know that the quality of our foundation will either make or break you, but I'm afraid that without realizing it, many of us are building or have built a marriage on a faulty foundation because we haven't looked at it closely enough. We haven't been able to identify some of the warning signs. So what I want to do with the remainder of our time is look at four faulty foundations. These are four faulty foundations that I see as rampant in our culture today. And they all reflect several conversations that I've had with engaged couples and married couples. So are you guys ready to look at these four faulty foundations? Faulty foundation number one. Marriage will reset my past. Now, this is a faulty foundation that's a particular warning for those of you who are engaged or those of you looking to be married soon or hoping to be married soon. So Kyle and Joy, listen up, all right? Marriage will not change or heal your current or your past struggles or brokenness. It won't change it. Your spouse will not make your past go away, and your spouse will not make your harmful patterns go away either. Sometimes I think when couples approach marriage, they think it's like this magical reset button. It's like, well, I struggled with that a lot before, but when I get married, that will all go away. I won't struggle with that anymore. That's not true. I wish I could tell you it was true, but it isn't. Your past is going to follow you into your future if you don't deal with it. And it will be a faulty foundation in your marriage if you don't walk through that together. Marriage will not reset your past. Don't build or continue to build on this faulty foundation. Faulty foundation number two. Love should be easy or love should be natural when it's the right person. I call this faulty foundation the unicorn foundation, right? That we're out there looking for this white unicorn, this soulmate, the one, right? Oh, because our culture just tells you, all the internet sites tell you, right? Like, you just got to find the one. And when you find that soulmate, it's easy. You cannot mess it up. Uh, wrong. Okay, that is not true. There is not the one. I know this sounds super unromantic. Kyle, I'm sorry to break this for you. Okay, buddy? And I've gotten permission to share this publicly. But I think Melissa could have married a bunch of guys. Probably a ton of guys. Not at the same time, okay? <laughs> but you could have married a bunch of different guys. 
I could have married, you know, at least one other girl, <laughs> right? But the truth is, we didn't find each other perfect for each other. That's not how this works. How this works is that we commit to covenant with one another and we become perfect for one another. When we said I do, when we said I will, when we covenanted to God and to each other, God started a miracle between us, making the two of us perfect for one another. A truly covenantal relationship creates the security and safety needed for two people to become soulmates. It happens over the long haul. And it happens with a whole lot of love, a whole lot of patience, a whole lot of commitment, and a whole lot of grace. The foundation of a lasting marriage is not compatibility, although that's important. It is covenant. Faulty foundation number three. Love is only real when you feel it. I mean, even the band Boston figured this out. And I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of those guys, but they look ridiculous, okay? But they had a famous song, right? Love is more than a feeling. And that couldn't be more true. For example, Scripture commands us to love our neighbor, right? Or it says, husbands, love your wife. Now, do you think Scripture is commanding us to feel a certain way towards our neighbor? Is that what it's saying? Is it saying, ooh, I just want you to feel like really tingly around your neighbor? That's what I want. I sure hope he's not asking us to do that, because that would be really creepy, right? <laughs> no, he's asking you to make a commitment, and a commitment to act in a loving way towards your neighbor. Love is a commitment to action in a way that is for the other, just as Christ loved the church. We can't control our feelings in that way. We can't just decide to feel a different way about the person next to us, but we can make a commitment to act in a loving way towards them. And love in a marriage, in a marriage covenant, is a decision that you make before God and your spouse. And it's a decision and it's a covenant that is foundational to your life together, especially, 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 especially when you don't feel like it. You know, I've said that our culture tends not to see marriage as a covenant relationship, but I do think it sees another relationship as covenantal, and I think it provides a good example for us here. It doesn't see the relationship between a husband and wife as this unconditional covenant, but it does see the relationship between a parent and a child as covenantal. I mean, as a parent, there are going to be moments and days and seasons where you're not exactly feeling the love for your kids. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. But I think that you could make a strong case that when you're not exactly feeling the love, but you still respond by loving them in action, you're actually being more loving. That your love is more real. It's more authentic when you have nothing to gain from it. You can argue that you are more loving when you don't feel it, not less loving, that you're more truthful, you're more authentic, not less. Or let's come at it from an opposite way. How do you think your friends or neighbors would respond if you were just to give your kids away one day and say, you know what, I just wasn't getting enough out of it? 
It wasn't rewarding enough for me, so I decided to move on. I loved them a lot, but then the whining started. And then I just kind of fell out of love with them. Right? You think that they would be in support of that decision? Of course not. Of course not. Because our culture sees that relationship as covenantal. But it doesn't see marriage as covenantal. Why? Why? Because the foundation for marriage has been eroding for decades and decades and decades. And we no longer see it for what it is. Covenant is the foundation for a lasting marriage. This week I read a testimony of a woman. It really is a tragic testimony. Of a woman who got a divorce because her and her husband both ended up having an affair and they ended up being divorced. And she said that was because they had made passion or feeling it essentially become the foundation of their marriage. And so when they lost that in their relationship, they, they looked elsewhere instead of pushing through it. And this is what she was, says, because she was telling the story and then she thought of her parents. And she said about them, they have this marriage of 50 years behind them. And it's like this monument to success. A few weeks or a few months of illicit passion can't hold a candle to it. And then finally she asks, if you were 75, which would you rather have? Years of steady, if occasionally strained devotion, or something that looks a little bit like the Iraqi city of Fallujah, cratered with spent artillery? Which would you rather have? You see, what she's saying is that in the end, her parents' faithful covenant marriage of 50 years was more interesting, more desirable, more full of real love and more full of real passion than her fleeting romance, no matter how passionate it was in the moment. Unconditional covenant in marriage doesn't stifle passion. It enables passion. It creates, as one author put it, a small sanctuary of trust within a jungle of unpredictability. Covenant marriage creates the place and the space for real love and real passion to actually exist, not just mirages of them. Covenant is the foundation of a lasting marriage. Lastly, false foundation, faulty foundation number four. Love is only worth giving when they deserve it or when you know that it will be returned to you. After all, isn't this exactly the kind of love that has been offered to me and to you and to all of us through the person and work of Jesus Christ? You see, Jesus saw us for what we are, undeserving, thankless, sinful, selfish, independent. And yet, you know what he did? He didn't withhold because we were undeserving. He poured himself out unto death, out of love 
for us. He sent his son to pay the penalty for our sins. He made it possible for us to be his adopted sons and daughters so that we could be forgiven, that we could have eternal life. And he did all of that in spite, in spite of ourselves. It is a love that believes at all costs in awakening the greatest possibilities in our lives. That is the goal of his love. That is the goal of his covenant. And really, my job description as a husband is to assist and enable Melissa to become everything that God has meant for you to be. To help you release, reach your fullest potential. Just as Christ loved the church. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be really honest, I don't know if I can do that. That just seems like out of reach for me. Like better than what my best effort could ever produce. Right? Anybody else feel that way? Well, the truth is, none of us are capable of doing that. None of us are capable of having that kind of love in and of ourselves. It's not something that can be contrived through any amount of effort or resolve. It doesn't come from your own goodness. And has nothing to do with your circumstances and has nothing to do with your resources. You know why? Because the love that I'm describing here, it's not natural human love. It's supernatural. It's supernatural God love. It originates from the heart of God and the only way to have it is to have his heart. And the only way to express it is to allow him to express it through you. It originates from him. When we accept Jesus, we become a new creation, a child of God, holy and dearly loved, filled with the presence of God, his Holy Spirit. And when this happens, we have God's love and power inside of us all the time. And as we grow in faith, as we grow in love, as we grow in maturity, we understand and experience God's supernatural love in increasing measure. And we can share it in increasing measure with our spouse. We have to receive his covenantal love to share it with someone else. And it is this covenant that is the foundation of a lasting marriage. So where do we go from here? Well, for everybody here today, there's one very important question. Where are you in your spiritual journey? Where are you, really? You can't give something away you don't have yourself. In order to give this kind of unconditional love to someone else, you have to know it and receive it first. For some of you here today, you need to come to Jesus and receive God's unconditional covenant, his unconditional love, his grace, his forgiveness for you. Something that you cannot earn, but only he can give. And you need to receive that covenant before you can make or renew your own covenant with somebody else. For those of you who are married, is your marriage built on the firm foundation of covenant? Or not? Remember the illustration of the doors? Are there doors that you have left open in your marriage? What do you need to do to close them and lock them and throw away the key? If that's you, I want you to go to our re-engage ministry. You need to go. Do not let anything stop you. It is too important. And then lastly, this is something here for everybody that's married. I think this is going to be kind of fun, but some of you might think this is a little uncomfortable. 
I want to challenge you to renew your vows. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've never done it. But I want you to go home and at some point, pull out some pictures of your wedding. Uh, pull out the video, or if you're older, I don't know if they have like an eight millimeter film, if you can find one of those machines somewhere. I'm sure we have one in back you could borrow. But find it. Remind yourself of the promise that you made, the vows that you took, the covenant that you made, and celebrate it. If your foundation is crumbling, commit yourselves to reestablishing it on the firm foundation of covenant. Can you do that this week? I promise it will bless you. Remember, covenant is the foundation of a marriage that lasts. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that your love for us is never-ending and that it is unstoppable, that it is unconditional, and that you've offered it to each and every one of us. God, may our marriages be restored and renewed, and may they be pictures of your great love for us. Lord, do a miracle here today. Help reaffirm, to reestablish the foundation of broken marriages, and help establish new marriages with the firm foundation of your covenant. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.